With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In your my favorite youth, like a drop top sports car, rooftop view. Let's go down to the boulevard and we'll play cool. And life shouldn't be so hard like the days after school. Yeah. Welcome to the IDP Show. Youth. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, joined in the Soul Shack tonight on my right. Adam Markham on my left, Bobby Reynolds. Gentlemen, how are we this evening? Doing very well, Josh. Good to see you again, my friend. I know. I feel like I just saw you about uh, about seven hours ago. You sure did. Looking even better now. Thank you. I do feel like I've had a great day looks-wise, Bobbo. Yeah. You're yeah. Uh, you're turning a corner. I'm glowing. You yeah. are. I got a new skincare regimen. I'm feeling great. Okay. It's just oh. washing my face. That's it. Love That's that. the extent of it. Potential... Add people, yeah. Um, the lotion that I use from uh, from Walmart, <laughs> they want to sponsor us. Jurgens, Jurgens. There, there we go. Yeah. yeah, I was struggling to think of Real a lotion brand. Stuff. All I could think of was Manscaped and Doctor Squatch, <laughs> and I don't think they do uh, men's uh, face lotion. They should. They should. That's mm-hmm. a great market for them to get into. Mm-hmm. Bobo, how are you, man? I'm good. It's good to be back. Good what to have you doing. Back. I. Uh... Oh, I pissed a kidney stone. That was that's fun. Right. That's true. Yeah. That's right. so you missed one of those Welcome weeks. to adulthood. Yeah. Wow. 35. I've Hello. never done that, man. Was that pretty tough? That's that your first one? Uh, we'll, we'll have a separate discussion another day. That'll be the it. kidney stone <laughs> podcast coming in February. Yeah. 35. Hello. And a man, like? a man who hopefully knows not a lot or nothing lot about, yeah, no, nothing was- about <laughs> kidney stones. Oh. Joining us from Football Guys, Trip. Trip, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, I didn't realize we were going to start off the Patreon piece right off the beginning here with the, the custom and the cutting up. <laughs> That's how we do. That's how right. we get right into it. You're right. I've missed out. I missed out on that entirely. But I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm, it's, it's always fun to get on and talk football with y'all. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, I appreciate the invitation. Uh, right now, I'm just uh, in the middle of being on the clock and my Autism Speaks Invitational draft. So yeah. we're out there contributing a few bucks for a good cause and playing a little football when we do it. There you go, Bobo. You love to see it. Yeah. I was going to say, that's a joke's on you, Trip, because we're not talking football tonight. You're actually just going to read his poetry. for That's right. <laughs> if it were up to Bobo, you would just read, like, Christmas stories, and we'd get, like, a crackling mm-hmm. fire sound effect see going. See who falls asleep first. <laughs> It'd be Bobby. It would be Bobby. Trust me. Miss my call. I could read children's books and make money or something. Truly oh, yeah. could. Truly yeah. could. You had the All-22 like guys really hyped up. They were, they Bobby was, Bobby Acker from the All-22 was a big fan yeah, of, they, they really like Trip's you, man. Voice. They Your really, strategy, they're really not so much. Yeah. yeah, they had to like compliment sandwich you. Yeah, <laughs> it it was getting uncomfortable. Yeah. Honestly, it really was. But he was just going on and on and on. We about had to your cut voice. a lot of it. We yeah. did have to cut a lot. We cut out, about man. about uh, three minutes of him pontificating. Yeah. I would really enjoy Trip's voice in like a uh, like a narrative type, like Lord of the Rings movie. There we go. Be Love pretty that. awesome. You like know? a voiceover type of thing. There's like a another Hobbit, Hobbit 2.0. 
I want him at the airport because everyone's really stressed out huh. at the airport, you know, just like, hey, everybody, it's trip here. Josh is We're going to put our bags through security. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to get you where you need to be. That would lower your stress level right? for sure. Yeah. It would definitely, you could feel the tension like go out of your shoulders. When was the last time you were in the airport? Um, Probably honeymoon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Adam, you have to get outside of your house and the no, golf course. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> Who needs to go anywhere else? World's in a bad spot right now, Josh. <laughs> when you can just golf and stay home. Sure. But we're Mammoth. happy to have you guys. Park Mammoth. We got everything I need here. That's right. Park Mammoth right up Chicken the road. City? I did Chicken laugh City. at your, uh, I didn't pay attention to it while we were recording, but afterwards your uh, your bingo card, if <laughs> you said, uh, if any of you all have uh, golf and uh, chicken tenders yes. on your bingo card, you can go ahead and select That's right. Scratch that off now. <laughs> if or you had me being interrupted trying to set up the show on your bingo card, mm-hmm. scratch that off as well, because yep. uh, here we are. <laughs> but... Uh, Looking forward to this. We've got a lot of really good names, Trip. You always bring some really interesting folks to the forefront here, and that's what we appreciate. And uh, I saw a couple names from the IDP draft kit as well, Trip. So thank you for uh, referencing that fine product here. Well, glad to do it. Y'all folks, make sure you pick up a copy. The IDPDraftKit.com, Labor Day weekend, the most popular draft weekend of the year. So get you a copy of the IDP Draft Kit and uh, dominate your drafts. But Trip, we're going to start in the AFC West. That is the division that you have prepped for us. So why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the Las Vegas Raiders and a player that is close to a lot of IDP managers' hearts, but you're saying, hold up, pump the brakes, maybe we need to recalibrate what we think of this player going into 2022. Who is your first guy? The first guy I thought we'd talk about is Denzel Perryman, and I was quite blown away a couple days ago to realize that he was projected to finish with more fantasy points than any other linebacker by ProFootballFocus.com and their projections. And I... I, I'm just not there. I'm, I'm in a pretty different place on Denzel Perriman. I, I, he's a player that I've liked for a long time. He's a guy that plays with head of steam and has the attitude and character to go with it. But he is also a guy that's never played full-time in his career. Played most of his career with Gus Bradley, but he also has had a couple of the defensive coordinators, John Pagano in his rookie year, and very briefly, Phil Snow in Carolina last summer. And then he inexplicably, inexplicably, now traded. Uh, he said, couldn't seem to get on the field and practice so, like he wasn't healthy. And he got traded to back to the Raiders with Gus Bradley because Gus Bradley had jumped from the Chargers to the Raiders as DC. And he played 83% of the snaps last year for Gus Bradley, put up a huge tackle rate, 18% roughly, uh, which is kind of what he had done for many years, actually, with Gus Bradley in his tenure. So now he has another defensive coordinator. A couple things. First, I can't really imagine that if four other defensive coordinators didn't think he was a multi-time player, that this new one, Patrick Graham, would at going into age 30. That strikes me as odd. The second thing is I really believe that tackle rates have more to do with scheme than player. So I don't think that Denzel Perriman can carry an 18% tackle rate with him from year over year. And so given those two things together, I, I really struggle to see how he's going to get anywhere near number one or even top 20 in my mind. Uh, if, if maybe he plays 83% of the snaps, but if we look at who he might be comped to over the last couple of defenses that Patrick Graham has coached, the high side would be Blake Martinez, which would be really good if he played like Blake Martinez did in 2020. 
The, the low side is that he would be like a Landon Roberts was in 2019 with the Miami Dolphins. And I think that Denzel Perriman, and you've got like athletic profile, production, ability, coverage, grades, all this others. He looks to me more like a Landon Roberts than Blake Martinez. Maybe that's a hot take, but I'll take Blake Martinez 10 times out of 10 over Denzel Perriman. So interesting guy. I even had his uh, agent um, uh, respond to me on Twitter one time after I said something bad about him. So <laughs> uh, I, I wish it well. I think he might be a great second linebacker from Las Vegas, but I think he's more of a deep league ad. And at cost, there's no way I'll have him on any rosters. What'd you tell his agent, Tripp? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. I don't think I've had any agents reach out to me. Bobby, tell me if you've had the same experience. I've been staring down Denzel Perryman and some of these IDP-only best balls we've been doing, and I'm just not interested. I know that for what he did last year, we're thankful. It's like, thank you for your service, but I'd much rather take a late flyer on Divine Diablo or Jayon Brown than pay the sticker price for Denzel Perryman. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I'm seeing a little bit of the opposite. I don't think Denzel Perryman goes very high in either redraft leagues or in some of these best balls. Now, Dynasty, I think we all know to stay away from him. I mean, unless you're a contender, if you can grab a Perryman and maybe see if he's going to compete for you for like an LB2, LB3 spot this year, I'm fine with it. Yeah, you're right, man. That's about where – I mean, he's not being – well, at least in the leagues that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. We're in leagues with a bunch of people that basically do this stuff. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's that's a reason why. I mean, maybe in your more casual leagues, mm-hmm. people are just sorting by tackles from last year, right? And I bet Denzel Perryman has probably a higher ADP. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, I've been fading him. This but is... like Tripp mentioned, like his tackle efficiency is no joke. He's like, I, I have the career numbers over here, 16.1% for his career. Wow. I mean, so, and, and also... Well above average. But also keep in mind that, like, he did miss a lot of time. Like, Denzel Perriman's career, like, he hasn't got a lot of snaps, like, for how for how many years he's been playing just because he gets hurt a lot, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. But still, still a good still good tackle efficiency either way. I was thinking about this the other day, too. I have a home league draft coming up, and it's just redraft. But a couple years back, it's probably been five or six years ago, we implemented two IDP spots on every roster, which is kind of interesting, you know? We don't always have full-on DT cornerback leagues. But I thought, I was like, man, Perryman is a guy who's going to get, he's going to be a top five guy drafted in a league like that. Absolutely. People are going to go back from last year, look and see how many double-digit tackle games he had. He's going to be an easy addition. But I agree with you, Tripp. Perryman's a fade. But for me, only to a point to where I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's enough. I'll I'm not saying I wouldn't take him in any context, but he would have to fa- he would have to fall pretty far. And then again, like we mentioned, kind of with Jace, like even though he is probably going like linebacker 25, 30, there still are linebackers I like a lot more in his range. Yeah. Matt Milano's, David Long's, Josie Jules. Give me all those guys over Denzel Perryman yeah. for 2022. Yeah. So Denzel Perryman bust, but you have a nice breakout here. And it is a IDP draft kit special. And this is what we love Trip for because he brings these names to the forefront that maybe we wouldn't normally be thinking about. Who's the next guy for the Raiders you want to discuss, Trip? Yeah, this next guy, is, uh, his name's Bilal Nichols. I'm guessing that a lot of people listen like, who? <laughs> so yeah. it's a bit Bless of a hot you. take, I realize. <laughs> uh, the way I play IDP is I don't ever land studs because I'm always drafted offense. And so I'm always looking for guys that I can get inexpensively. 
And Bilal Nichols really sets up into a really interesting position on the same defense that Denzel Perriman plays for with Patrick Graham. And the reason why is because Patrick Graham has a history of, of playing a little bit differently than the Raiders have in the past. And they brought in Bilal Nichols. He is the only kind of designated interior disruptor profile type player that they have on their roster. All their other defensive tackles are just pigs. And then they got the stud pass rushers and Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the edge. So I think that Bilal Nichols, first of all, sets up to take a big chunk of snaps. They brought him in on a free agent contract where he's making, it's like $11 million over two years. Not huge money, but decent money. They come in and play this uh, featured disruptor. And what's really interesting is when you look at the history of Patrick Graham's defenses and the similar type defenses coming out of the Patriots, Belichick type tree, you see some huge numbers from this particular position. Most recently, of course, Leonard Williams over the last two years with the Giants. He's got about 17 sacks over the last two years, and he put up 89 tackles last year, so roughly 74 the year prior. Now, that would be, you know, shooting for the moon to expect Bilal Nichols to put up all that kind of numbers. But even if he puts up a two-thirds of that, he's still highly relevant in a DT-required league. And if he can put up 80% of it, he's on, on the radar for DL leagues. So I think that's really, he's a guy that really sets up in a good spot. Uh, another type of a player that's in that same vein uh, in Miami with Christian Wilkins, who put up huge numbers last year. Yeah. Now, again, Bilal Nichols is not anywhere near the talent that, Chris, that Christian Wilkins was, but the deployment could be similar. Now, from a talent perspective, Bilal Nichols, I thought, looked pretty good in 2020. And last year, he didn't quite look as good. The Bears had a really weird year last year. As they got really poorly graded by a lot of metrics, but they didn't have any trouble getting sacks. And they didn't have too much trouble getting off the field either. So they must have been doing something right. And I think Bill Nichols is, was an interesting piece of that. He's a guy that has more athleticism than Leonard Williams, who's a former number six overall pick. Uh, he's a guy that can play either inside or outside. Uh, and I, I think that he'll have that opportunity and, and really have a good opportunity to pile up some stats doing it. So he's a guy that costs nothing that really could be relevant to the position that's difficult to hit on. Now, Tripp, I always like to contextualize this, right? Because I think for our listeners, you know, a breakout for Bilal Nichols, what what could that look like? Like, what's a realistic picture to paint here? So let's say this is a D-tackle required league. We all play in these types of leagues. Are we looking at potential top 12, maybe like a rotational piece that kind of you play based on matchups? Like what's your optimistic outlook for this guy? I think that he could pretty comfortably finish inside the top 12. I think he's a guy that should be comfortable getting in there, leaving in there every week. Now, if you're, if you're in a DL league and you don't have a DT required, I mean, yeah, maybe it's more of a matchup guy. But um, for DT required leagues, I, I'm, I feel comfortable that he's a guy that has a high chance of being a set and forget it at the, at the position. It feels almost a little bit like tight end Bobo, where mm -hmm. if you don't grab one of the stud guys early, the Aaron Donalds, the Chris Joneses, the Cam Haywards, the Jeffrey Simmons, uh, DeForest Buckner, maybe you just punt and grab a Bilal Nichols in like one of the last rounds of your draft. Yeah. I love that. You know, 63 pressures in the last two seasons is the 27th among all defensive line interiors in the NFL. So trips right on. And you know there's going to be opportunity. Chandler Jones is gone. Carl Nassib is gone. I don't know what else is gone from the interior there in uh, in Las Vegas. But he's going to play a lot of snaps, I feel like. And uh, 
And I love D tackles. I, I love finding a good D tackle and a good little reference there for Christian Wilkins, another guy who I think is kind of slept on for especially the tackles that he produces. Not always a big sack guy, but has a great floor. We'll talk about him a little bit later. I think to add on, I think the tight end reference is exactly right. I wrote an article about three years ago for Dynasty mm-hmm. Football Factory. And if you track that, you get the y'all were saying there's this designated kind of featured player in these defenses, the same way there is a featured pass catcher on a tight the tight end position and then after that it's just the wilderness and so finding that guy out of the wilderness makes a big difference in your weekly lineup so i yeah. think that's a great reference aaron donald is travis kelsey exactly i mean essentially if you're going into your idp only drafts whatever it might be if you've got a d tackle spot specifically take aaron donald as high as you want to really i like kelsey in offensive drafts in the first round why would you not like aaron donald in the first round adam's taking him in the first round of yep. our idp only best ball drafts yep. so and even in d line leagues, yeah donald's still top five he's a top yep. top five option in dl yes, leagues uh even as a d tackle top so. six pick in my opinion and you know the other part of that reference too is right josh in that you know i just traded a ton for isaiah likely in our main league and it's so hard to find that next good tight end, that next George Kittle or, you know, Kyle Pitts, whoever it would be. It's hard to find that next Aaron Donald, DeForest Buckner, you know, Cam Hayward. Those guys don't Jeffrey grow Simmons. on trees. Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. Jarrell Casey. Very, very rare. So that's why I like Trip bringing this to the forefront because you're not always in a position where you want to pay for one of those top guys. And so, and he's just twenty six. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's not like he's you know, yeah. thirty plus. He's, he's probably got his best football in front of him. He's obviously his biggest opportunity. I think sought is, out by a new staff yeah. coming in to take over the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Trip said, on a deal that's not inconsequential. So and good measurables too. I'm looking at his player profiler. I mean, four point uh, four nine five forty. That seventy ninth percentile speed score was eighty sixth percentile. Agility score seventy seventh percentile. Burst score seventy first percentile. So I mean, this is a, a good athlete, above average yes. athlete. Did Akeem Hicks stay with the Bears? No, Tampa Bay. The, oh, the wow. Sneaky little addition there That's for Tampa right. Bay. You just kind of forget gosh. Julio. They've got Kyle Rudolph. They've got Akeem Hicks. It's just a no excess of riches. Line. Yeah, they That's need true. some That's offensive true. linemen for sure. College flag football. So <laughs> nice ref there. Like we said, Bilal Nichols, an IDP draft kit special. So thank you for bringing that back up, Trip. Appreciate that. Let's move to the AFC East and talk about the New England Patriots. And a player that we pivoted to here in the ninth hour, I wanted to bring up because of something I read from John Macri. We mentioned his article on the podcast with Jace. Go check that out. The preseason takeaways from week two. Of course, we're headed into preseason week three here this weekend. So something to watch. I don't know how much the Patriots are going to play their starters in the third preseason game, but from the second game, this is what John wrote. The Patriots have long been a thorn in the side of IDP managers who hope their beloved defensive players will get a full-time role. Isn't that the truth? That doesn't appear to be changing anytime soon. Adrian Phillips started at strong safety with Kyle Duggar on the sideline until the team's first third down when the Patriots shifted to their dime personnel and put Phillips, Devin McCourty, and Duggar on the field together. On the second drive, Phillips and Duggar swapped roles as Duggar and McCourty played every snap while Phillips rotated in for a third and long snap. They swapped again on the third defensive drive, confirming that this safety situation will be a headache to sort out each week should it continue into the regular season. 
So Kyle Duggar, we've got him in the bust territory because even though we love the player, Nate Tice talked him up on the IDP breakouts episode trip. We're not hating on the player, but the situation in New England has always been murky, no matter the position for fantasy. Do you think, as John has offered up here in this article, that the safety and DB situation will be a headache for IDP managers in 2022? Oh, yeah. I don't see it being any really different than last year. Last year, Duggar played 77% of the snaps. Phillips played 82% of the snaps. Duggar had a little bit higher tackle efficiency. Both had right at 92 tackles, and Duggar played two less games. Duggar right on the fringe of being a safety one last year, even with that low snap count because being a productive and not having a lot of linebacker strength in New England, a lot of, lot of linebacker production. But I think folks are thinking that, well, there's just a natural upward trajectory for Kyle Duggar. And everything I've seen says that the Belichick and the crew really like Adrian Phillips. And so it's hard to predict that Duggar will overtake him. So at, at this point, I think he, you, you just got to have to hope he can do what he did last year. And any yeah, if you're looking for more than, yeah, you're in for a disappointment. You're expecting more. And that we had even mentioned Jarrell Peppers is there now, right? That's what's, right. What's yeah. uh, so he has, has he got any run in the preseason? It doesn't seem like it, at least from what uh, John put out there. It sounds like it was McCourty and um, Adrian so could, Phillips. So he could still have to deal with Peppers too. Exactly. So I just I wanted to see where Duggar was going in these best ball drafts that we'd done, just to see our folks kind of baking in expected sort of ascendance, you know, from. Kyle Duggar this season, DB 12, DB 7, DB 7, DB 15, DB 15. So anywhere between DB 7 and DB 15. No, thank you. That just seems a little rich for a situation that will continue to be murky. Yeah. Yeah, we love his usage. I mean, he's going to get a lot of box snaps. I think he was, was, you know, one of the leaders in, in box snaps. But, yeah. A good time to sell, probably, just because you know. Let's think about the running backs there in New England. It's that's that's kind of how it is with these safeties now. I think. I mean, it's they're going to be interchangeable, and Belichick's going to do what he wants to do. He's not going to worry about you know playing time. God, it would be miserable to be a player there in New England. Oh to have to you deal you with have that. Steve Belichick with like just yeah, have to deal with him looking like the class bully from like a kids movie, right? Uh, you know, just. No one that, talks about the nepotism with, you know, Bill Belichick having like four coaches and one of them is his son. Yeah, I mean, that's that's truly the only thing his son, I think, can do is is work with his dad because I don't think anyone else is hiring that thing. No, absolutely not. But think about the linebackers in New England, too. You've got Juwan yeah. Bentley, Raekwon McMillan, that's, Mac Wilson. Like, that's a mess as well. That's forever been a headache. Do you all agree or disagree, though, that like the only reason I'm still holding on to Duggar is because I don't feel like he's a common name yet. Like, I don't feel like people really reach for him that much. You know, I feel like his value based on his ADP is still fine to me. Like, he might not get, you're not going to get the Jeremy Chin snap percentage, but I feel like for where you're taking him in drafts, he's still okay to me. Uh, he's a little rich for me. You think he's getting high in, like, If he's ADP? top 12, that's too rich. I, I just don't like, I mean, he's just in that range where I don't, I don't want to take a safety. It's you the know? safety dead zone. We've right. talked about this. I don't want to take a safety. I don't. I'm not going to spend a high draft pick on a safety. We know that. Unless I mean, unless it's Derwin James. But again, I'm, I'm not starting. You're off not going to pay team. that sticker price. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. So no. You know, I like a lot of these safeties, but I'm not going to draft these guys. I'm not going to be in love with any of these, any of these guys. If you can get value out of any of these type dudes, get it. 
Yeah, let's move on, though, to probably the one player on the Patriots that we can safely label as a stud, and he had a tremendous, I don't want to say breakout season because he was already an established player, but I think outperformed a lot of folks' expectations, and that's Matt Judon. Played 81% of the snaps across 17 games, including 16 in which he started. Average 13.7 points per game. Graded pretty well, 64.4 overall with a 73.3 pass rush grade. Racked up 60 total tackles, 14 TFLs, and 12 and a half sacks to go along with 25 QB hits. Trip, I for one know that I had low expectations for Judon, so he definitely exceeded what I thought he was capable of for 2021. But what should our expectations be for 2022? Is it more of the same or should we maybe lessen our enthusiasm? Well, I think there's really two, there's a tale of two seasons here for Judon is the thing. The first half of the year, he piled up the majority of his sacks and pressures, like two thirds of them almost in the first half of the season. And then the, the Patriots shifted philosophy a little bit, played a lot more zone. And I have a hard time explaining exactly if that affected it or not. But I can just say that I think Belichick comes from a perspective that you've got to build out the coverages first and then let the and then allocate whatever resources you have remaining to pass rush and run defense. And so when we look at who the Patriots have a corner this year, they lost JC Jackson. They're planning, but what I saw today is they're planning on rolling out Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills at the outside on the boundaries. And then Miles Bryant at the slot. And that just sounds rough to me. <laughs> so uh, if folks think that Judon is going to get 12 and a half sacks again, and I think that was the first time he'd had double digit sacks in his career. I don't know if I would, I would buy into that. So I like Judon. I think he's a good player. I don't know if I would go so far as to, you know, call him a DE one or anything. Yeah. Addy, he's unfortunately one of those players and we're not going to get trip started on the true position argument, but he is one of those players that gets banged by the positional designation on a lot of platforms listed as a linebacker. Um, So he's not a player. I don't, I don't roster Patriots as a general rule because I love myself more than that as a Colts fan. But for those folks who do roster Patriots, I think because of that reason, and just the fact that the Patriots are hard to figure out. Not a guy that's really on my radar. Yeah, in Sleeper, though, he definitely is. I think he's a he's a tremendous value, actually, on Sleeper. Because a lot of people kind of sleep on this guy. I mean, if you look at pressure rates, Matt Judon was pretty elite last year. 15%. I mean, that's, that's one of the tops in the league. Even his career pressure rate's not bad. 13% career pressure rate. Yeah, I like Matt Judon. I mean... I'd say in those best balls, he was probably going like... I've got the data right here. He was going around like DL 24 to 31 is the lowest yeah, I see. I'll take so that. I'll take back that. Back in DL 2, high in DL That's 3. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, he, he, I'm totally comfortable with him being my second defensive lineman on my team. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're paying DL 3 price for Matt Judon, interested at that cost? Yeah, I'd be a buyer at that price. He Bobo. had eight games over 15 points last year. He had four 20-point games. There we go. Now, how many of those were at the beginning of the season, I wonder? Um, I'm not sure. You have it by he, week. Did have, he did have seven games under 10 points, one game less than five points, though. 
There we go. Babo, I know you were famously employing the get all of the mislabeled guys sure. uh, that Pair were actual edge rushers as Marcus linebackers. Golden. Yeah, last season. So you had Judon for a while. I think he was in the team name even for a stretch there. Yeah, yeah. So what's your temperature on Matt Judon now going into 2022? I agree with Tripp, and I think it might be even a benefit. You look back, 2017, eight sacks. In 18, he had seven. In 19 with the Ravens, he had nine and a half. He regressed to six in 2020, but then had 12 and a half last year with the Patriots. So I agree with Tripp. I think he will regress back to the nine to 10 sack category. But I would like to see, I got I got screwed by Judon. Like he got me to the playoffs in a lot of leagues, and then I got screwed. I got hosed. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a little bit of the sacks spread out some. I'm with Tripp. It's a little bit worrisome. I think you were saying, Tripp, they kind of, they shifted their scheme a little bit later on in the year, which might have phased Judon out a touch. So that's a little bit interesting to see because you never know with Belichick, man. You, you Three weeks go by, and the next three weeks could be completely different run-wise, pass-wise, personnel-wise, you know, personnel, yeah. scheme, defense, whatever, than the previous three weeks. So I think Judon is probably the same category as Duggar. If you have anybody coming and willing to pay above sticker price, let them go. Go find somebody else. But. I will say, most QB hits since 2019, Judon is second behind TJ Watt, and top five is Watt, Judon, Bosa, Donald, and Barrett. So, there you so go. pretty nice company, at least in that category. If you get points for QB hits, which if your platform allows that, you should, then that makes Judon a more attractive option. Another little just random note, Baltimore, man, another former Baltimore yeah. edge rusher that just – Eats. Yeah, I can't wait to see Oway going here. I know. <laughs> yeah, where's Oway sure. going? <laughs> I mean, Zadarius Smith. Yeah. Matt Judon. I know there's been others, but, man, they're they're good at picking them there in Baltimore, but they don't want to keep them. <laughs> they don't want to keep them. They want the comp pick. They'll go pick the next guy, and it's just like a factory. They just roll these guys out so, on, like, an assembly line. So, Trip, gun to the head, because we don't really love Patriots around here. You if you've got a, a roster, one of them, who are you rostering? <laughs> don't you touch your hair on his head. <laughs> Yeah, if we're talking where Judon Sells was DL, then he's the priority of the, okay. of the IDPs there on the roster. I got you. What about Barmore? You Christian Barmore guy, real quick? Oh, yeah. It's a, he's definitely interesting. Yeah, DT yeah. required league. Least. If I can get him as my DT, too, I don't know that I can. But if I can, I'm super interested in that. Optimism for him in uh, DT required leagues to be top 12 this year? I, I would think it's an outside chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I worry a little bit scheme-based. I'd I, you know, he had some really impressive metrics on PFF. I know that. I've heard yeah. uh, John McLachlan make the case. Uh, it's it's a scheme that's really not trying to get a lot of penetration off the middle. Maybe that changes this year. Maybe they feel like Armour fits that role for them and they do more of that. So that's that's what I would be concerned about. They have another really good interior guy, too. Devon Godjo is there. There you go. That's it. That's it. He's Yeah, he's formerly it. of Miami, right? What yeah. Name? Yes. Gotcha yeah. in Miami. Got God in his name. Weird that's teams. Right. We're a team. Good job, team. Good work. Well, let's flip back to another team in the AFC West and go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Got a couple of sleepers here lined up for us. Trip, who's your first guy? Addy, you're going to like this one. Yeah, well, it's like what was a what's a Macri and Bellevue will say. Spags hates IDP. That's we'll true. Let's see if we can find some cheap ones here. There we go. And my first cheap one is Frank Floyer. This is a guy. I, I've been in a couple of y'all's IDP best ball leagues, and in the first one, IDP number one, Frank Clark was the very last starting 4-3 defensive end drafter by me. And then the second one, he was the second to last by me. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants this guy. He plays like 800 staffs a season. 
And yes, you look at his numbers, and it's just been a steady downward trend in the, in the counting stats. But if you look at his metrics, PFF and Pro Football Reference, it doesn't tail off as badly. It's not he's not playing well, but it's not like he's just become a carcass out there either. And uh, so, just based on volume, uh, he's pretty clearly going to be a starting defensive end there for Kansas City again, based on volume. The fact that this team is generally playing downhill, the pass rush opportunities that he has, I think there's just some opportunity to regress to the mean in terms of him converting pass rush opportunities to pressures and sacks. Mm -hmm. So that alone is interesting to me. And then there's the preseason buzz. And you take it with a grain of salt, but there seemed to be some recognition from Frank Clark that he hasn't performed to his potential in the last couple of years. And you like to see a guy could kind of own that and commit to being better. We'll see if anything comes to that, but I just statistically alone, I think he, at the cost of being the very last four or three defensive end on the board, statistically alone, I think he's worth that pick. And then if there's some optimism that he could do what he did in Seattle, where he really was worth the, the DL2 price tag, then, you know, not that he is now, but when he, when he has performed to that level in the past, and he's only 28 or 29 years old, I think there's still that possibility there. So I'm intrigued. I was just curious, Eddie. I was like, oh, was he like DL50, DL60 when Tripp took him? No, he was DL90. Yeah. So it's we crazy. T- we talk about discounts. This is like finding a Mona Lisa at the dollar store. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my favorite thing about Frank Clark is that his contract is going to be ending pretty soon. And I guarantee you, Frank noticed Chandler Jones. Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Von Miller. I guarantee you he noticed what those dudes were getting paid. I bet that guy's going to rededicate himself and try his damnedest to get one more deal. So I, I love this call. And yeah, I mean, DL 90. Yes. People don't like this guy at this no, point. No, right? I think they've been so burned and yep. they just have such a bad taste in their mouth. Like Tripp said, he was a bum. Like just... In terms of how he was approaching the game, I think we were turned off by the the approach that he took. Yep. Not just the results, but like Tripp said, we want to take training camp buzz and hype with a grain of salt, but we like when it's positive. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And we've seen the vidges. Yes. I mean, he does look good. He looks and good. I mean, the, all he's the, cut weight. He's all leaner. All the buzz has been good. It seems like he's been a pretty good teammate to Carl Loftus. All the stuff that we want to see is, is out there. And I think, you know, if you're looking, if I had to project like what type of season Frank Clark is going to have sack wise, do I think he's going to be a double digit digit guy? Probably not. But I mean, I think he has a real chance of being like a, you know, seven to nine uh, type of sack guy. And I mean, that's if you're getting them free, pretty much. I mean, mean, that's free. That's a great piece to have. I love that. Bobo. Yes, sir. Frank Clark. Best shape of his life. You know, we think we need to uh, we need to the dust off the old uh, Instagram segment because Frank's got a good he's got a good vibe on this. He's been working. He's got a little drip, too. He's got a little drip. You know, here he is. uh, I don't know. Walking in pregame with like a mechanics type outfit. on. I love that. I mean, the vibe for me is going to work pretty strong. I mean, don't forget. I mean, he did get caught with a with a Uzi and a Lambo. Yeah, Uzi and the Lambo. That's that's about as tight as it gets. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's some serious street cred is what you're saying. Yeah. That's all right. I mean, yeah. I kind of respect him more for that now that I remembered that fact, Daddy. Yeah. Thank you for resurfacing that. Of course, I never forget that. Now talk about another player that we are hoping 
can have this redemption arc trip. This next player is another Addy favorite coming over from a new team. Who's the next guy on your list? Justin Reed, the new safety coming over there. I'm, I'm, and this is an interesting story. So when we started working on the IDP draft kit, there was a couple guys in there, Addy, probably one of them, that were really high on Justin Reed. I was like, yeah, I don't know how high I am. And then I joined football guys with some you know, help from y'all, and which I greatly appreciate. And I'm starting to rank with seven other guys, which is really weird because the Dynasty Football Factor, I'm ranking with one other guy. And, you know, we would compare notes and talk. Well, all of a sudden you're ranking against seven other guys and you're seeing just the vast array of different opinions. It's kind of fascinating. And I was very much to my surprise, the highest on Justin Reed of all these guys of football guys. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I didn't see that coming. So I was like, why am I high on him? Why are they low on him? It's just, and I think that the the common narrative is, oh, well, you know, they're they're not going to, they have played a lot of too high. And they're going to have somebody else be the dime linebacker from the safety position. And that player is probably Brian Cross, the rookie. Mm. But then I look at like how they deployed Tyron Matthew. And I always felt like that his deployment was decent. It wasn't ideal for IDP production, but it certainly wasn't like he was sitting back all the time as a deep safety, like Vaughn Thornhill was. And so I feel like there's an opportunity for Reed who has, you know, shown some tackle efficiency in the past and shown some ability to make some plays in the past. They'll come in and be productive in a role that does allow him to move all over the field. And then when you talk about Brian Cross, he's not going to play anywhere near the amount of snaps as rookie that Daniel Sorensen has in the last couple of years. So it's it's a really it's a fluid situation in the box in Kansas City because the linebackers are the big story there for IDP and the folks that are interested in that. So far, it's pretty positive, I would say, for those two linebackers getting a good chunk of snaps. But they are in competition, of course, with the safeties and. I think that the 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 workload for the 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 third safety, the Sorensen role, will be reduced. And so there's somebody somebody's going to pick that production up. And I think that Reed is an interesting sleeper to grab some of that because if, you know, the history of the linebacker deployment has been that it's more of a hodgepodge than than we might like. Mm -hmm. So I'm not predicting that exactly that the linebacker position will absolutely be a mess again. But I also think there's a possibility that the, the, that Reed as the as the safety can come in there and, and and get his fair share. So I'm intrigued by him. Yeah, Eddie, it's just follow the breadcrumbs, right? Mm -hmm. They paid this guy, they let Honey Badger go. He sat out there for a long time, so it wasn't like he was really negotiating from a position of strength of like, well, we just don't want to. We like Honey Badger, we just don't want to pay that price tag. No, I don't think that was it. I think they saw Justin Reed as an upgrade over what Honey Badger could give them at this point in his career. They let Dirty Dan, the tackle-missing man, go. It's going to be Juan Thornhill. It's going to be Justin Reed. And I think it's wheels up. We know this guy before Houston became a toxic waste dump was really productive, and then he tailed off. And now I think he has a chance to go chase a ring with Patrick Mahomes, and I think this guy's going to be fired up. Yep, I think so too, man. You can't... You can't overstate just how juiced he's got to be feeling going from a place like Houston to Kansas City. He got freaking paid, so he got you know he got he's got respect. I love Justin Reed, man. He's one of my favorite upside plays at safety, just because I think he is going to be you know the guy that kind of plays in the box, plays in the slot, plays closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he's a playmaker. 
I just think that he he wasn't locked in there in Houston, which, I mean, how could you be? So, yeah, I love Justin Reed. And and also, I mean, the price tag is not bad. I was like, going to say. We've been hyping I, the hell out of him, but it still was like, what, let's read it. Okay, so we got – this is kind of crazy. I cannot believe it's this low. So And Addy's probably got four of the ones you're about to read. I know. I think you must have the DB15 – because that was over in, I think that was best ball, best ball one. Two. That was best ball two. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's the highest. So maybe someone sniped you. I think someone sniped you in best ball two. Because that's the highest by far. 19, 31, 34, 42, and I think this is 39. Yeah, that's crazy. DB 39. So aside from a 15 and a 19, Justin Reed is going on average as a back-end DB three. Uh, high-end DB4. Mm. Trip. that's insane to me that after all of the off-season hype and all of the positive kind of buzz and narratives around Justin Reed that he's still going as a back-end 3-4. And, and, yeah, uh, and leagues think. where guys, like Addy said, are pretty plugged in, know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised he's lasting that long as well. And that's that's why you waited in safety positions, right? You get a guy like Justin Reed as your... Safety four, and like, why you know, just wait till the end of the draft and take four guys. <laughs> this is crazy. I think, yeah, I think all of the 30 DB30 picks were you going, Oh, baby, Justin <laughs> Reed is still here. I don't have a single safety, and I'm going with Justin Reed. Yeah, he's he's been one of my favorite plays this year, so I'm hoping for big things. Kansas City is also one of those teams where we just kind of trust their evaluations, right? They they have they just get fun players, they get good players, and the fact that they sought out Justin Reed just I think it should make your ears perk up a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's right. The other thing we need to pay attention to is, uh, you know, kind of fingers crossed Harrison Butker doesn't get hurt this year because uh, Justin Reed definitely hit a 65-yard field goal in practice <laughs> in, uh, in a couple weeks back. So, double down a little safety kicker combo Do we points? get? Does he get points for sure. kicks? The problem is we, we usually we don't we play in leagues with kickers anymore, really. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We jettisoned the kicker. I found out our punter just tore his Achilles for the Colts, oh, so yes. that's great. So, you're right. This uh, Chiefs defense is fun. That was my mower thoughts. I was on the back 40 this week. and uh, I think it, there's, like, some poppy fields that Bobby's mowing and, like, drugs. Uh, hallucinogens are coming into his system for these mower thought segments. Tri- trip, could the Chiefs be the best defense in the NFL this year? Could they? I mean, anything's possible. <laughs> That's what you say, like it? to your kid when it's like, yeah. "Could it rain gunddrops?" And you're like, "Yeah, uh, can I?" I dunk? guess it could. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been That's really impressed with my question. <laughs> I have been impressed with Carl Loftus, man. He yes, looks, he looks really yeah. good. Yeah. He looks great. That seems like that was a good pick. They're gonna have a lot of pieces. I think Leo Chanal looks pretty healthy for this early. Uh, you know, as a rookie. I think Willie Gay's had a lot of good hype. Nick this Bolton has been tearing it up. Yeah, I think we all want to be on the Nick Bolton hype train, but it's just like Spags is just waiting to stab yeah. us in the back, like Game of Thrones style. I just can't trust the man. I'll say this for Frank Clark and for Carl Loftus: I did see today where Carlos Dunlap was had he had a sore Achilles, which is kind of interesting at this point in training camp. I get so, it. I get it. And Carl Loftus has been insane. I mean, he. Um, Yep. He could get some early play and, and actually show out pretty well. But it, I'm going to be excited to see the Chiefs play. Legereus Sneed, he had a nice play last preseason game. He's another DB that 
Adam loves just grabbing it like DB fifty. Yep, man, the Chiefs could be really good. Adam just year. has all Chiefs DBs. Uh, they just get fun players, man. Yeah, yeah they're just Offense, fun. They know what defense. they're doing. That's right. I thought about this the other day too. We uh, we need to go see Chiefs Rams. Y'all go to Kansas City That'd with be me? Fun. Absolutely, that'd be a good game. Get yeah, some barbecue. That's the closest the Rams. They're get working to on us. fixing that airport. They have a Super Bowl coming up, and they have the World Cup. Josh goes straight to airport. Adam's talking about yeah, barbecue. I'm just saying, like we, you know, we've we we need the the Trip's airport gonna situation. Be the, uh, Trip's going to be on the intercom there, talking, calming everybody you, down. That's your second airport reference on you this pod. You Don't make it a third, damn it. <laughs> you you've been you have, yeah you you haven't been on an airplane in like a decade. Um, like, can you still smoke on these things? <laughs> oh geez. All right, Bobo, I'm going to set you up here. Uh, give you a sec to scroll down on the notes. Why don't you cue up our next player here? Let's shift things yeah. back to the AFC East and talk about the Miami Dolphins, a guy we've already mentioned, a stud that we like, especially in those D-tackle required leagues. Who's the next guy on our list? Absolutely. Miami Dolphins defensive tackle here. Stud, Christian Wilkins. Let's look at his 2021 stats. PFF, he had an overall grade of 83.3. He had a run defense grade of 80.8. A tackle grade, pretty interesting, kind of like Aaron Donald. Real low at 36. 36, not looking great. That's the one red. Pressure grade of 70 and then a coverage grade of 60. Um, 65% snap share there. He did play 17 games and averaged 12.3 points per game. He actually had 90 total tackles last year. 11 TFL, which is awesome to see. Five and a half sacks and then stacked in a couple other big plays as well with 13 QB hits. You know, it could kind of be seen as a breakout there for Christian Wilkins in 2021. It was done with relatively low pressure and sack numbers, 31 and five and a half. But he was a tackle monster. 90 total tackles from an interior guy is a really, really big number. Um, that's really a number that that Donald, you know, Drill Casey, Cameron Hayward, you know, a lot of those guys don't get to. Um, I like Christian Wilkins a lot. I guess the big question for me is, is he going to take a step in the sack department this year? Is Jalen Phillips playing alongside of him more, the guy that we're going to talk about next, playing aside, uh, alongside Jalen Phillips more, maybe that defense gets a little bit better. Can we see more than five and a half sacks for Wilkins in uh, 2022? We have the perfect person on here. It's our scheme master, the man who has the skeleton key for all of the schemes in the NFL. Trip, what do you know about this new Dolphins coaching staff? I believe they kept the defensive coordinator. Obviously, new head coach there, but same defensive coordinator. Can we expect any maybe schematic differences for this year for the Dolphins? I wouldn't expect so. I think the new coach is an offensive guy. So, yeah, I'm not really – I'm expecting Josh Board to, you know, it's his defense now, right? It wasn't a couple of years ago. He was an underling with Brian Flores, but. I might have to recuse myself on the is Christian Wilkins a stud because I'm a Clemson homer and I've long been a fan of Christian Wilkins. Let's go. And I, <laughs> my issue with Wilkins has been that I just never liked the landing spot. Mm-hmm. And I think he's finally coming around now because he felt like to me profile is that perfect interior disruptor. Mm-hmm. I felt like that he was really the engine in that Clemson defense. He played along Dexter Lawrence and uh, Cleveland Furl. Yeah. And we know the story of Furl. And Laura Lawrence has proven to be a good nose tackle, which is we knew that in Clock College as well. Wilkins was just that guy. He was the featured guy. He was the guy that was really the disruptor in the engine of that defense, in my opinion. And to see him land in Miami where they're doing a lot of two gapping and asking him to do more things has been frustrating to me to watch. But I do think that, like y'all said, I think he's I think he's poised to continue to grow and improve in the pass rush department. 
And he's out there, he's making tackles. Uh, so, I mean, you can't expect him to get what the 90 tackles they get. Again, but there's no reason why he's going to drop down to 50 or anything. Mm -hmm. So you got a good tackle for, and you've got upside of the pass rush side. So I like it. Yeah, great target, D-tackle required leagues. Even, you know, leagues on Sleeper Addy where we have the DL designation. Don't mind a Christian Wilkins no. sprinkled in there every once in a while. No, I mean, if he's going to be tackling like that, yeah, I mean, that's a nice little floor we tweak. But, I mean, is is that 90 tackle year, is that an outlier? Probably. Because I don't know that the sack numbers are going to come up, you know? Five and a half, and a half for is, a, is, is it healthy seems about for a right for tackle. a D-tackle. I will say it's hilarious he had 90 tackles with a, like, a 36 tackle grade from PFF. <laughs> Did he miss like a hundred tackles? Like, yeah. So, how maybe, many... so maybe he's due for a lot more. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's make, due for these. Yeah. Maybe like 190 tackles uh, incoming. Would that be insane? Just like <laughs> completely breaks everyone model. He leads the league in tackles. Yeah. He's a, the leading tackle guy. This that is, would be great. Let's go back real quick trip to uh, Clemson days for Christian Wilkins. So he had 192 total tackles over his four years at Clemson. He had 40 tackles for loss. He had 16 sacks. But you're right. He never saw more than five and a half sacks there at Clemson. But he did have two years of 13 tackles for loss. And then in 18, he had 14 tackles for loss. And those are good tackle numbers, honestly. Oh, yeah. I mean, 190-something? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's very healthy. I feel like you all talked maybe on the Big Nickel episode about this next guy, trip. If not, I think I've heard you talk about him somewhere and I think you're a little more hesitant, not maybe as optimistic as this table is on Jalen Phillips, the breakout potential. Uh, we saw it in starts and fits last season. I won't say it was consistent week to week, but what I'm really looking for in a rookie is flashes. And we got that with Jalen Phillips, nine TFLs, eight and a half sacks, 42 total tackles, graded okay, 53.7 but a 61.3 pass rush grade. Only 54% of snaps. Played 17 games, but only started in five, 9.3 points per game. Trip, I think there is a lot of folks who are very optimistic that Jalen Phillips could make that leap into that, that upper tier, right? That top 12 of edge rushers in the NFL. If I'm remembering correctly, you had some cause for concern, a uh, reason to pause a little bit on the Jalen Phillips site. What's your temperature on Phillips going into 2022? Yeah, I talked about that with Macri on the big nickel pod. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He and I talked about Quiddy Bay versus Jalen Phillips. And, and it's, you, I think you look at the numbers and the, it's almost like the reverse numbers or something. It's just based on performance in my mind. I, I, I thought the Phillips was okay. Like you said, he flashed, but he played about half the snaps he was, he's in a designated pass rusher role right now. The other edges on that team, Emmanuel Ogba and Andrew Van Ginkle, are able to do more than Phillips does. And so they're playing more snaps. Uh, Ogba can kick inside, and uh, Van Ginkle, not good in coverage, but he's being asked to cover and do more things. And and so you think of those guys, well, they're no-name guys. Maybe Phillips overtakes them, but he's got to be able to show that he either can cover or uh, be more be stout in the run game. And what they've done instead in, the, in Miami is to bring in more competition, not less, in the person of Melvin Ingram. So I don't see how Phillips can take a step forward from the nine and a half or nine sacks that they had last year, uh, based with 54% playing time. It's a, there may be even downward pressure on that number. I don't hate him if he's, you know, if you're looking, taking a shot on, a, say, a late DL3, more of a DL4 type, I guess I would feel better with him that, but because you're, you know, hoping that there's upside there. And I think long-term there is, but I think my second concern with him relative to pay 
was that Phillips was the guy that was supposed to be more NFL ready. The, the reason why Phillips was the drafted one pick after pay and outside of the top 15 was because of health concerns. And so he comes in as literally, in my opinion, not as effective at pay in year one. Yeah, Addy, I'm looking right now. The price is steep on Jalen Phillips going yeah. anywhere between DL 12 and DL 20. Yeah. in the best balls that we've done. So you're not getting a Jalen Phillips discount. You're not getting him as your DL3, as Tripp suggested. I just, I have a hard time with a guy that has shown that upside and that potential not earning an expanded role over, you know, Rip Van Winkle and the corpse <laughs> of Melvin Ingram. Oh, uh, yeah. I just can't, and and maybe that makes me a rose-colored glasses type of optimist, but I, I think what it is, I just want to believe in the Jalen Phillips mm-hmm. breakout. Is it logical? Maybe not, but I think big things are incoming for Jalen Phillips in 2022. I do too. You want to be there for when it happens. That's right. Right, uh, and if you've been following along with all, you know, all the beat writers, and they got some good beat writers down there in Miami, Every single one of them has made sure to mention Jalen Phillips and how impressive he looks. I think I, – who was it that I saw? Maybe it was Mike Clay doing the projections. I think he had he had, he had had Phillips projected for like 500 snaps, something like that, 500, maybe 600. No way. Like, no way. If that happens, that is a nightmare scenario. Like, no freaking way can you let someone like Melvin Ingram or – Van Ginkle keep that dude off the field like the fans are going to be pissed like no no way Jalen Phillips is a baller in my opinion I think we're going to see him level up is the price tag a little steep in in you know in in these drafts at DL 12 yes probably so uh you're probably you're taking him with his upside at that at that price but dynasty wise man I can't get enough of Jalen Phillips Oh, yeah. Dynasty-wise, I'm all over Jalen Phillips. I, I think, at least for 2022, if you're taking him as DL12, that's, you're taking him at his ceiling. Yeah. I think the best you can expect from... And, and here's and the thing with Quiddy Pay, bro didn't produce at all. Yeah, it's true. Like, you got to show me something. Like, yep. Jalen, we have 40-point games from Jalen Phillips. Like, there is not a lot of people that can do that. No. Maybe 10 players can do that. And, Bobby, I think what it is with Phillips is that I'm just willing to be wrong. Yep. There are certain players I'll go down with the ship on, and Jalen Phillips is just one of those guys. Yeah, I agree. I'm fine drafting Phillips where he is. He's, he's to me, I know I love Owe, and I even love Ojolari. I really like Pay as well, but I've come around to Jalen Phillips, I think will end up being the best edge out of this class. Adam's right. We've seen 40-point games. Even though it might have been against lesser competition or a bad quarterback or whatever, it's still a freaking 40-point game. Um, a lot of his sacks came in, you know, a small segment of the season. I think he saw nine of his sacks in, like, ten games. I want to see it spread out a little bit more, kind of like Judon. You know, let's spread it out throughout the, the whole season because Phillips kind of screwed you for the playoffs. But I, I don't – Tolerate Phillips slander too much. I, yeah, I like it. And him. maybe we're maybe we're a year early. Maybe we're a year early on Phillips, and this is a but situation here, where year three, year three, year four, he really comes on. No, you got to be early to these DNs, though. If but you're exactly, him, you're I'd rather be in exactly early right, than having to pay. And he just checks so many boxes, dude. Mm-hmm. Like if the the profile, like athletically, I think they're comping him to Daniel Hunter. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, the dude's got insane drip. He's got the swag factor. Uh, all the all the all the hype. It's just, it's all lining up for us. I'm with you too, Addy. Do wh- wh- Miami. If you all play Melvin Ingram, I don't care about Van Ginkle. He's just a. He's if a they scrub. play Rip Van Winkle and Melvin Gordon over Jalen Phillips, <laughs> Not Stephen Ross, they need to reopen the investigation. <laughs> they play and Melvin Gordon. See if he actually is offering money for tanking, because that is yeah. that's a conspiracy. But you got to think too that like Miami must think that they might have a chance. They went out and got Tyreek Hill in the offseason. Like they brought in some linebackers. They have a rookie quarterback. They got Jalen Waddle. I mean, like rookie quarterback. Uh, younger quarterback, sorry, into uh, how many years? Plays he like been? a rookie. <laughs> yeah, he so, does play like a, yeah, rookie. Like a rookie. Mike Mc, Mike McDonald's kind of uh, McDonald on Coke, maybe. Yeah, he's a little. He's Is his li- name Donald? I thought it was Daniel. Oh, Mike McDaniel. McDaniel. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Josh, yeah, Josh Hungry. Are, yeah. Are you, where do you what do you guys think about him? Do you like him? Is he already? Is he getting on your nerves a little bit? He's yeah. uh, doing a little much. I want him to <laughs> scale it back just a bit. <laughs> he's giving me the uh, Brandon Staley kind of vibe. Like, yeah. chill out just no, much. he's like Brandon Staley, like but like hopped up on some sort of uppers. <laughs> And yeah. he needs to just dial it back a little bit. Yeah. The eyes are a little big. Have yeah. A, have it's a, beer, a little too cute. He's doing it a little too much for the memes, I think. Yeah. And I don't appreciate that. He is a funny guy, though. Oh, he yeah. Seems, I mean, he seems I, like a, a cool hang. Yeah. I, I would like hanging with him. I, do I want him as my football coach? Like leading Probably a bunch not, of, yeah. like, you know, alpha males yeah, out what's onto the Christian field? Christian Wilkins think of this guy. Yeah. I'd love to know. <laughs> I'd love to know. I'd love to know what Jalen Phillips Jaylen thinks Phillips, of him. Right. But uh, let's keep it rolling here, Trip, and flip back over to the AFC West and talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. You've got a sleeper and a bus lined up for us, but let's start out with the player that Bobby just saw go in the second round <laughs> of one of those, uh, I think, autism awareness eliminators that you guys are in, sure, right, Bobo? Sure. So Bobo was pulling some <laughs> Jedi mind tricks and got someone to take Sebastian Joseph Day in the second round. So tell us why uh, he's worthy of a second-round pick, Trip. Oh, well, I, he, he's not a sleeper. Then. I just have this totally wrong. He just <laughs> he's screwed up, Trip. Yeah. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I, did, I thought folks were sleeping on him. There they are. He should be a first-round pick. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about Sebastian Joseph Day, I ran across a stat on ProFootballFocus.com, and and it was a stat that shows run stop percentage. So Sebastian Joseph Day, the last two years, has had like thirteen to fifteen percent run stop percentage. And what that means is that of the run stops that are happening that are coming at his team, he's collecting thirteen to fifteen percent. And most players are well below ten. I just think it's fascinating that he is this active in the run game, and he has. He missed like the second half of last year because he got hurt. But yeah. in the one and a half years that he was out there, he's just piling up tackles in this scheme. And he played next to Aaron Donald, and folks say, "Well, maybe that's why." I really think that the, the like I said before, that the tackle efficiencies mm-hmm. have a lot to do with scheme. And now he's he's joining the Chargers this year, but he's joining Brandon Staley when playing pretty much the same scheme. Mm-hmm. And he'll be between Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Uh, and so if you look at who they have a linebacker, I really think they want the defensive line to try to make tackles rather than rely on those linebackers. So I'm eager for Sebastian Joseph day to be uh, not the return on investment on the second round pick, but be a guy that is without being a big time pass rusher can be a defensive tackle that you'd be happy with is your DT one. Yeah. Bobo, you're very familiar with uh, Sebastian's work. Uh, Tell us about Mr. Joseph day. You know, here's, it's going to be a good one. Y'all ready for this? 
Discount Christian Wilkins. Oh, okay. Must see that on a T-shirt. Someday. So if we uh, if we extrapolate those first seven games for Sebastian Joseph Day, if he hadn't got hurt, he was on pace for ninety-two tackles and wow. seven sacks, which is very eerie to Christian Wilkins. You know, Christian Wilkins five and a half sacks. I think he did, like we just talked about, have ninety tackles on the year. I agree with you, Trip. There is some speculation that maybe he's kind of got that Indomitian Sue type mentality to where it was like look at the payday that Donald got for this guy too but I agree with you I think that even though I still like guys like Ashawn Robinson this year because he's going to get to play beside of Aaron Donald I really think that Sebastian Joseph Day especially in your defensive tackle like premium leagues I think he could be a top six guy wow maybe that's too high but I really think that the exactly what you're saying you're in between, you know, Khalil Mack. You're in between him and uh, Joey Bosa. You've got a defensive-minded head coach. Jerry Tillery is going to be there. Austin Johnson as well. Man, I think Jeb- Sebastian Joseph Day could have a great year. Yeah, it's a fun defense. It's a very fun defense. I like that, though. I mean, he. I think he's got to be one of the defensive tackles with the most upside. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because you know, he's going He's going to be late in drafts. Yeah. He's not worth a second over. It's crazy. Yeah. That's the second highest he's ever been drafted. I it's bet. true. Yeah. It's the it's it, like the outlier point <laughs> yeah. that's like fourteen inches away Some from the other ones on the graph. At their ADP and like, yeah. well, damn it! Look, yeah. this is gonna mess this ADP. <laughs> Man, up. this is about to tr- jump this guy like a hundred <laughs> spots. Trip, we talked earlier, kind of contextualizing where we saw you know Bilal Nichols in these D tackle required leagues. Is Sebastian Joseph Day another guy that you could see with top 12 upside in DT required leagues? For sure, yep. So about a line in top six, Trip. Yeah, does he have top six upside is the real question. Yeah, that's tough. I'm still working on these defensive tackle numbers. That's the thing that I find tough. It's like the the tackle tackle numbers, if you will. (laughs) The D tackle tackle (laughs) numbers. Yeah, yeah, these big, huge volume of tackles. It's like I don't have a good sense as to how sticky those are from year to year. That's, I guess, my biggest concern. And then, mm-hmm. so you, if you said if he's a DT six, you're looking for three or four sacks. And I would say that he could get it. I mean, he's got some athleticism. He's a sneaky, good pass rusher. So I, I don't think that's overly optimistic, but it is certainly optimistic. Mm. There you go. Trip puts up with so much from us. I just want to screenshot his face when we <laughs> ask ag- him these absurd questions. And again, though, that's probably not hard to get there. Like yeah. it's it's like the tight end situation, right? Yeah. I mean, the w- there's no difference between tight end seven and tight end twenty. Mm-hmm. Well, and two, what do we say about tight ends? Just catch a touchdown. Like yeah. when you're streaming the position, mm-hmm. who's the guy that could catch a touchdown? Yeah. And it, with D tackles, it's who the who's the guy that could get a sack or a tackle for loss? Okay, yeah, exactly. Multiple tackle for losses. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, Sebastian Joseph Day. Do we have uh, any of the Charger linebackers on this list? We do. We're getting ready to talk about okay. one of them here in just right. a sec. Right. Uh, speaking of which, let's roll into the next guy trip. When we did the episode with Jace, one of the things that made my eyeballs about pop out of my head was him referencing some of these mock drafts he's done where this next player is being drafted around the likes of Dre Greenlaw. And I really cannot believe that we are still in the year of our Lord 2022 drafting Kenneth Murray, uh, where he is going in drafts. But what's your outlook for the Chargers linebacker for this season? Yeah, I think his goose is cooked. They brought in Kyle Van Noy as a second wave of street free agents, I think. And they, he's starting. Kenneth Murray got hurt, missed time. And I saw a story today and 
it sounds like it's locked in. It sounds like Van Noy and Tranquil are the starters, and there's hope that Murray can come in and contribute as the third guy. Uh, he played uh, some outside linebacker snaps last year. I think they're hoping that he can have a show a little inside-outside flexibility, and I think he'll need to to get on the field. So uh, I think their folks are tend to hold on to those first-round guys and for forever until they're just completely out of the league and are willing to, to pay something for name recognition. And I really think that's about all it is at this point. So if he's if he's still a guy that's going ahead and drink Dre Greenlaw, then yeah, I think that's just an obvious mistake. Yeah, it's funny. You look across the ADP spreadsheet that we have, and Murray just stair steps down as the months go on because the outlook has gotten gloomier and gloomier, and I just don't think – Addy, at this point, it's sad to say, I don't think he's worth rostering. Nope. No matter how not. deep your league is. Nope. So, so Trip, who is the linebacker you want there? I, it's got to be Tranquil. I, boy, I don't feel good at all saying that. Yeah. My biggest issue with Tranquil is he had a 0. 0.5 defensive average depth of target last year, which That's means that he's not even trying to carry receivers down the field. Mm. And, boy, that makes me nervous. I, you know, if, if I had to. You know, it's really more of a none of the above situation for me. I'd be surprised if any linebacker there got 85% of the snaps. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. I don't think there's going to be anyone over 80%. Uh, looking at Tranquil, though, and in, in his numbers, I mean, he has put up a really good tackle rate in his career, 16.1% tackle rate. That's like that's exactly what Denzel Perryman had. But, I mean, he could be that type. You know, he could be this year's Denzel Perryman if he gets if he gets – he would only need 80% of the tackles or 80% of the snaps to get 130 tackles probably. But yeah, it's a risk. I mean, that's a guy that's never been able to stay healthy. And also, I mean, Troy reader, yeah. a little sneaky. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of don't mind. You just want to get, get your reader. Get your reader. You just want to get your reader. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Eddie. People have forgotten him and, and Tranquil's injuries make you have to pay attention to Troy Reader. I was going to say, Reader we're going to be starting. Yeah. We're going to be starting Troy Reader in like week six. That's true. I can just feel it. He understands the system. I mean, he, he, knows br- the system. he was brought in by Staley. Right. I mean, <sighs> I think that's another reason why Murray is not going to work because I don't think Staley likes Murray. No. That was the previous guy, right? regime yeah. pick. Maybe Murray goes somewhere else and maybe sees some type of significance at some point in his career. Because he was a first-round draft pick, but I don't think he's going to be with the Chargers. Yeah, I was listening to the athletic football show. Robert Mays went to training camp for the Chargers and said they are, like, over the moon excited about Kyle Van Noy. Oh and I think that says less to me about Kyle Van Noy and more to me about how much this yeah. staff dislikes Kenneth Murray. Well, Kenneth Murray did have the offseason, like, surgery. He just started practice, like, Monday. Says he'll be ready for week one to be the four-string so there you go. So yeah. can we expect Van Noy to have any IDP relevancy this year? What do you expect that role to be? I have a hard time figuring out how they want to use him, Trip. I think a little bit like the inside outside. I think that's yeah. why he's in direct competition with Ken Murray is that mm-hmm. he's going to be expected to play some outside staffs, which will lower his tackle efficiency. So mm-hmm. he's not, can't be more than, D, than an LB5 at this point. Which is another reason why I feel like you've got to pay attention to Troy Reader. Yep. Um, yep. Oh. From a tackle perspective, I feel like he could just rack him up playing behind Sebastian Joseph Day, a really good defensive line, in my opinion. You're going to have Derwin James there as well. That defense is going to be good. There's going to be a relevant linebacker for that team. We just don't know who it is yet. Let's keep things rolling here, Trip, and talk about. 
the New York Jets. Addy, one player that we know plucks on the old heartstrings for you. One of your favorite. This is like the Addy. I swear, Orange just pulling out like Adam's favorite uh, late (laughs) safety targets here. Uh, Jordan Whitehead is our breakout for the New York Jets. 73 total tackles, five TFLs, and two picks. Graded very well, 74.9 for PFF. Overall defensive grade on 88% of snaps, averaging 10.8 points per game. Comes over from Tampa Bay, and all the buzz out of training camp has been super positive for Jordan Whitehead. I think we're looking at uh, a guy who's going very late in drafts that is going to make people very happy uh, when they put him into their IDP lineups, Addy. Yeah, I mean, his ADP is also silly. He's he's pull that up while you can. But yeah, I mean, Jordan Whitehead is about to probably log definitely over a thousand snaps. I mean, if you're looking at if you're looking at Marcus May and how many snaps he's had the last three years, it was eleven hundred in twenty nineteen, eleven hundred in twenty twenty, and then he was churning that way before he tore his Achilles. So, I mean, I expect Whitehead to have career numbers pretty much across the board. New York gave him a pretty nice little contract they too, did. right? He was one of the highest paid safeties this offseason. So Jordan Whitehead's really just entering his prime, I think. I think the best is lays ahead for oh, Jordan yeah, Whitehead. No doubt. And still getting a great discount on this player trip. DB 27, 31, uh, 35, 31, 39, and 37. So going as a... Back-end DB3, high-end DB4. Here's a fun little Jordan Whitehead stat for you. Last year, for safeties that had at least almost 250 run defense snaps, Jordan Whitehead had the lowest average tackle depth, Hmm. three yards. That was better than everyone else. Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips, Jamal Adams, those are the next guys in line. So that, that tells you that guy was tackling guys pretty close to the line of scrimmage. That's right, making plays. Yep. Not letting, not getting beat. Trip, especially at that price, I'm imagining you have to be a Jordan Whitehead fan as well. Oh, yeah. No, I, I think it'd be a disappointment if he didn't collect 100 tackles, assuming good health this year. He'll be playing near the line of scrimmage. The other thing that's interesting is right now the penciled in starter for the Jets at free safety is a guy named Lamarcus Joyner, who's like 31 years old. <laughs> oh he's five foot nine, buck seventy five, something like that. He's not playing near the line of scrimmage. So we <laughs> can lock Jordan Whitehead and help out these linebackers who really need the help. And if you watch that defense last night against the Falcons, yeesh. Yeah. They're going to be out there for a lot of snaps this year. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Jordan Whitehead, Bobo especially if you're playing the grab your safeties late game Mm -hmm. is right up there with Justin Reed is like a top target uh, for those late safety drafters. I'm sorry, Josh. All I'm thinking about now is the Marcus Joyner. <laughs> trying to think <laughs> that of was Rams. Rams. That I'm was a Rams what guy. Year it was the Rams franchise tagged him. So my apologies. In our best balls, Jordan Whitehead kind of averaging around that DB 30 range, which is way too yes. far down. That's. I mean, he's got a, a very good chance of being a top 12 safety this year. I oh, agree. Yeah, absolutely. Like really good chance. Yeah, man. I love Jordan Whitehead. I think Jordan Whitehead is probably my favorite target. I think you might be planting a flag on him. Yeah. I'm just kind of getting favorite a favorite overall a IDP sense. target at the safety spot. I just Ooh. I lo- again with like when you're talking like DB30 range like I mean this guy Here's feels so safe. Here's a good one for you. You ready? Don't you Justin Reed or Jordan Whitehead him? That's it. I'm going to do both. Just both. No, yeah, just no, snatch them no, both no, up. No, no, Put me no. at the turn and let me grab them uh grab them both. In dynasty, who do you want? Man, probably Justin Reed. I think I I like Justin Reed a little better. Joshy? Probably Whitehead. Trip? 
Yeah, I'd take Whitehead too. I'll take Justin Reed. All right, there you go. We're split. Uh, a player Y'all that we wrong. a player that we are not split on. I just love I keep reading these names and I'm like, did Adam actually prep this and it just looked like it was Aaron <laughs> prepping the doc? Because we have We are one now. That's right. Aaron. We love are, you, Aaron. The, the, the yeah, the hive mind uh, <laughs> and the mispronunciation of his name continues. Hey, hey uh, another sleeper candidate and trip. This was probably one of the most heartbreaking developments injury-wise from last season was Carl Lawson popping the Achilles after all of the great great training camp hype. Uh, it sounds like he's back fully healthy because this injury happened uh, about a year ago, so he's fully recovered. All of the reports out of training camp have been super positive. We don't even have to look at the numbers uh, from 2020 because totally different situation. So I just want to get your temperature because while I like bringing you on, Trip, uh, besides the amazing voice that could put us to sleep reading uh, bedtime stories, mm-hmm. is that you are you bring a nice sense of realism to balance out our overly optimistic outlook sometimes. We love Carl Lawson. We think he's primed to have a great season. He's not going that late. I think he's been forgotten in drafts, so the value is still there. But what can we expect from Carl Lawson in this New York Jets defense, assuming that he is fully healthy? Yeah, if he's fully healthy, then that's pretty interesting. I think he has pretty good upside as a pass rusher. I think the it's the challenge is even a full health is what does that rotation look like? You've got John Franklin Myers, uh, Jermaine Johnson, the rookie first rounder. Uh, Jake Martin has been brought in as a as a free agent pass rusher. Seemed like they had one other pass rusher in in my mind. Anyway, but it's it's pretty deep rotation of guys, and so the really question is 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 how much do they want to rely on Carl Lawson as a run defender, and it, it is he a guy that can get 800 snaps, which is kind of what you want from your top end DLs, and I doubt it, especially coming off the Achilles. But if like I said if you assume good health, I mean. I, the interesting pass rush upside. I think there's no reason to think that he can't get eight sacks out there, which is it's just a nice thing. But to expect him to say get twelve or something like that, that would be awfully optimistic. So I, I think he's another one of those guys who's kind of an interesting guy as a DL three for me, and I don't know that I can get him that level. Yeah, it's amazing, Trip. I know you mentioned. I think it was on the Big Nickel episode. You know who Thanos was, and. Robert Sala now with this New York Jets team is like Thanos assembling the Infinity Stone. He's like, I just want all the defensive linemen. Uh, you mentioned Jacob Martin, Michael Clemens, the breakout uh, from the preseason, also there. Vinny Curry is there as well. You mentioned Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff, Jabari Zuniga, Bradley Anae. Mm. So these aren't necessarily guys that IDP managers need to know about. But Robert Sala has come in and kind of taken the San Francisco 49ers approach of let's get probably one of the deepest defensive line rotations in the entire NFL. So I do think if there's a kink in the Carl Lawson kind of breakout season that we're hoping for, it would be this kind of rotational aspect of the Jets defensive line. Yep. I agree. Yeah. uh, But don't forget, I mean, Carl Lawson, he was six in the NFL in pressures in 2020. That's always been his thing. He's always been phenomenal at getting pressures on the quarterbacks. And everything I'm reading this offseason is that he's fully recovered, looks amazing, um, looks again like the best player on the field. He seems motivated. He seems like he wants to be great. I hope it happens for him, man. Bobo, are you are you with us on the Carl Lawson train, or are we waving bye to you as we zoom past? Oh, man, I enjoy it. I mean, the Achilles is still worrisome. Shout out to Lauren. 
something we've talked about a bunch. Achilles worries me in defensive line and in running backs because there's just so much pushing off of that Achilles. But if he's healthy, if he's performing in camp, I know everybody wants to go ahead and say that Cam Akers is completely healthy and that he has completely changed the Achilles game. And maybe he has. Maybe we'll see that this year that the way that they fuse that Achilles together in that different way is maybe a new wave for, um, you know, these athletes that have torn Achilles. But, you know, at his ADP where Carl's going, I'm on board. Yeah, yeah. what is he going at? I was going to say, I remember seeing him late in a lot of our best ball drafts. So he's going as DL52, oh DL50, DL56, 54, uh, yeah. 45. So 50. He's, it's just one of those deals where the guy missed the whole year. That's everyone right. forgets about him. He gets yeah. buried in the ADP. Yeah, and, and also the, the same thing, the Achilles narrative, yep. you know. But, I mean, Carl Lawson, if, I, if I'm going to bet on someone fully recovering, I'm going to bet on a dude like Carl Lawson because that dude has – I mean, this this Achilles tear ain't nothing new for Carl if you've been yeah. following along. He's torn his ACL twice, I think. Yep. You're not going to be able to hold this dude down. The dude can overcome some adversity, and that's why we love him. That's and why also, we're proud of him. We do need to mention Michael Clemens. That guy, oh, my Lord, what a specimen. I think he had seven pressures on 20 pass rush attempts his first preseason game. I mean, just listen to the guy. Look at the guy. Once you do that, you will be running to your waivers to pick this guy up. All in. All in. That's all it took, Trip was uh, seven pressures and a nose ring. And uh, really fun. <laughs> a really deep voice. Yeah, a really deep voice. Commanding presence at the press conference. We're all in. But uh, let's move to the AFC West. Talk about the Denver Broncos and kick things off with a linebacker who has one less teammate to worry about since Joe Schobert was essentially the Grandpa Simpson gif walking in the strip club and walking right back out. Cut today by the Denver Broncos, leaving the unquestioned breakout for the Denver Broncos. I had Josie Jewell down here, and really the only reason why is because he missed most of last year with an injury. He was re-signed at a two-year, $11 million contract. Is I think pretty safely and clearly going to wear the green dot and be the defensive play caller. Now he's not the best linebacker in the history of the NFL, but uh, it, they, it, you know, guys like Alex Singleton and and um, like you said, Joe Schobert was there for a week and he's gone again. So I don't really think there's any real threat to him. And I think one person suggested, well, what about Jonas Griffith? That would be nice if Jonas Griffith had stayed healthy and we could have seen. But I think with the with the elbow injury that will sideline in through at least the end of the preseason, there's really no threat at all to Josie Jewell. I feel like he's a free square. I saw I, I saw one mock draft, get the results get posted onto Twitter a couple months ago, and Josie Jewell was the 60th linebacker off the board, and no Denver Bronco linebackers were picked ahead of him, which I thought was really interesting. Now, Singleton typically is. So it's somebody's got to tackle the ball carrier in Denver. I think that they're paying the man who they expect to do it. I was going to say, I was like, LB60, that's crazy. Uh, LB58, LB58, LB61, LB72. So uh, if you're wondering, is Josie Jewell still being slept on uh, despite the fact that he has uh, Justin Sternad and um, (laughs) not much else there uh, with the Jonas Griffith injury? Addy, I think Josie Jewell has to be one of the best late targets at linebacker. And if you're looking to shore up that position or maybe punt linebacker a little bit and focus on other positions, 
man, he is a screaming value right now. It's crazy to me. I'll read your tweet that I I wrote on May 11th. I'm going to bet Josie Jewell is the Denver LB you want for IDP. Was starting last year before getting hurt, and Denver brought him back on a two-year, $11 million deal. Every beat reporter thinks Jewell is the LB1. And Thread, this is before threads were freaking hot. Oh, gosh. His competition, Baron Browning, we all we already know about that. 2021 uh, third-round pick, but lots of chatter about using him more as an edge rusher. That happened. Uh, Jonas Gray, 2020 UD, UDFA. Looks solid in final games uh, of 2021. Alex Singleton, one-year, $1.1 million deal with like hardly any guaranteed, if I remember right. And was putrid uh, Terrible. in the grading? <laughs> I think you saw John Macri's yep. screenshot of the PFF grades. Uh, Justin Sternad, a 2025th-round pick. And then, like I mentioned with the value, best part of all this, it won't cost you anything if it doesn't work out. He was LB53, LB70, and undrafted in the three uh, IDP best balls we had done at that point. Uh, and then like Browning, Singleton, Griffith, all those guys were going ahead of Josie Jewell. It just made zero sense. But yeah, I mean, that that's just free money. Josie Jewell was was one of my favorite picks. And he still is. I mean, he still is. He, even though the ADP and people have caught up now, he still is going like LB30, LB40. Like, yes, I will totally say that dude has a very good shot at, at getting 130, 140 tackles this year. Absolutely. If I was reading that thread, I would have retweeted the first tweet because I had learned something that only, day. Uh, only four retweets. So wow, everyone loves to sleep on your boy out here, but that's okay. We that's don't right. need we don't need the the Twitter love. No, it was right. just they hadn't caught up to the the thread game yet. The yeah. thread game wasn't quite what it is. Fourteen now. likes. People did enjoy it. Yeah, that's okay. It was an okay tweet. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it was it wasn't a banger. Bobo Josie Jewel. I don't know what else we can really say about the guy other than still being criminally undervalued and should vastly outperform where he's being drafted. Let me read you these PFF numbers. Oh, please do. Overall grade, 80.9. Run defense grade of 90.3. Pass rush grade of 80, uh, 68. Coverage grade of 63. You know who this is? Who's that? Alexander Johnson. Oh, A.J. Johnson. I don't understand why he's still out there. That doesn't make sense to I've me. got him on the main roster at about $5 million in RSO, and I'm really hoping that guy yeah, lands somewhere. That's oh. the same. I've, he, I am still clinging on to him in quite a few spots. It would make a lot of sense for them to bring him back, especially after the Schobert cut. There's got to be something we don't know there. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they know that dude's they out there that. as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, they just brought in Joe Schobert. Something, something, something doesn't smell right. That's true. But, yeah, Josie Jewell... He's going to put some points up for you this year. And, uh, dude, there's, there's those dudes every single year, man. He just, he fits the bill. And, you know, that's something that's just not fun. It's not fun to plug and play, you know, Josie Jewell. It's fun to play like, well, I'm having Xavier a great Collins. time. I'm having yeah. a great time Xavier drafting that Collins dude. And Isaiah Simmons and Jim and Davis. Hey, and Kenneth awesome Murray. Sick. I guarantee you, people were having a blast last year playing Denzel Perryman. There ain't oh, yeah. nothing better than drafting dudes like that. Than just getting that just I'm like, saying preseason. The old Week guy four, at the YMCA like, hey. who's just posting dudes up and putting up 40. I'll be honest, man. I, Josie Jewell, I, he's he's sexy in my opinion. I don't I don't get I don't get the hate. I just the blinders on with this guy. I really think what it is is that in his second year he played less than he did in his first year. Yeah. People just Yeah. If you don't have that steady career trajectory, people lose interest. They figure you're a flawed player. Mm-hmm. Players can simply get better and the linebacker, you often get pressed in the service, even if you're not ready. And he's finally earned his keep now. Yeah. I mean, they they 
they showed they liked him. I mean, they gave him, you know, just look at the contracts. That's always a, a nice little cheat code for you, too, if you're trying to f- figure out the depth chart and how it's going to shake out. Just look at the, the contracts. And Josie Jewell's making about $10 million more than every other linebacker there. I hate I'm, this next one, Trip, because I'm pretty sure I've dropped this guy in a couple leagues, but no. I, can't, uh, I can't wait to hear your defense of him. I really liked him, but it was just one of those ones where it's like, eh, I got to cut somebody. Yeah. So You're next out. up, a sleeper from the Denver Broncos. Who do you have, Trip? Uh, DJ Jones, a defensive tackle. I, this is a guy, it's kind of a long story to relevance, and it's, it's definitely a DT required special. It's not as yeah. interesting as Nichols or Sebastian Joseph Day was, but just a, an interesting player in the way his kind of career arc has been. We, we mentioned earlier on the pod about there are these interior disruptors, and they're the, kind of the designated interior disruptors. Well, there's typically two defensive tackles on the on the field at one time. So one of those guys must not be the designated carrier disruptor. So what's he doing? Well, he's eating blocks for the guy who is. And so DJ Jones had a career eating blocks for DeForest Buckner for a couple of years. And then they drafted Javon Kinlaw, the 49ers did, to replace Buckner. And Kinlaw has not really emerged yet. So meanwhile, DJ Jones started making some hay on his own. And he's gotten a big free agent contract now to go to Denver. And he replaces Shelby Harris. And what's interesting there is Shelby Harris kind of did the same thing where he, when he was younger, he was eating blocks for guys. And finally about 28 years old, he started to break out and Shelby Harris had two seasons of six sacks in 2018 and or was it 2019 and 2021, I think. And so uh, Harris is gone and DJ Jones replaced. And this is also a defense that provides a, we've talked about this with Joseph base, pretty good tackle opportunities in the middle of it. It's, it's edge Ivero. Jiro Evero is the defensive coordinator, and he is a Faggio disciple. So I don't think the defense will change radically from what it's been. And so I think that it's another guy where DJ Jones is a tackle for. He had 56 last year. He could he could get more this year. Will as a decent tackle for. He's shown a little juice in the pass rush, and he's a guy that's free that you can get. And he might be the guy that, and you end up, you know, like the tight end on the offense. That analogy where you take a light tight end, you take a light defensive tackle, and he might be the guy you leave in there all year. I love it, Eddie. Trip had eight guys to prep for the AFC West, and he chose three defensive tackles. It's fantastic. Like, I love this. I'm not saying this with any sort of hate. It is incredible because this is a position that gets overlooked. Yeah. Sort of like Johnny the Greek with his streaming quarterbacks article. You're looking for little edges Mm -hmm. and finding these guys like Bilal Nichols, like Sebastian Joseph Day, like DJ Jones is incredibly valuable because they can offer you that tiny bit of upside that you need to win your matchups week to week. So I'm all about it. I'm here for the D tackle renaissance on the hundred percent, man. They're so hard to find that anyone giving advice or, you know, going in depth with, with guys like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. should be all ears. And these are great candidates. I mean, I, I trip up my eyes up to Blau Nichols through the draft kit. But yeah, I mean, you know, we, we obviously trust trip. So I will certainly be looking at these fellas. Yeah. Cause that's, it's, it is a blind spot for me of like, I'm usually just going to pay the high price for one of the top defensive tackles. Cause I really don't want to wade into the waters yeah. of trying to grab the D tackles six through 12 on the season. You know, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough yeah. area to pin down. And really, you know, we're, the only league that I use defensive tackles in, uh, and this may this may lower our street cred a little bit, but that's RSO, and we just start one in there. So I mean, it's not an area where I have to worry about you know too much. I don't play a lot of MFL. Mm-hmm. I play a lot of sleeper, which is yep, DL going to probably make you not 
really focus on defensive tackles that much, but it is nice to to touch on these guys. Chip, are you buying into the Baron Browning hype? For Dynasty, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where it's a deep rotation where it's just a big mess, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think Browning's interesting. He showed enough of an inside linebacker that you have to think that he's got some juice to play pass rush. Yeah. It's not like he was a bust, an inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking a guy out of a position where he showed competence and moving him outside, you must really think he has some upside mm-hmm. if you're that coaching staff. So, yeah, I, I'm interested. And you got, you got, you know, who is this competition? There are people who like Malik Reed. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, there's Bradley Chubb, who has you know, not lived up to the first top, was it fourth overall billing. Sure. Uh, it's just, you got um, Randy Gregory. Jonathan Cooper was okay last year. It's just kind of a big mess this year. And so, if, does he even have DL eligibility on Sleeper? He is dual yeah. and Sleeper. Mm-hmm. Wow. He is now? Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. okay I thought he was, yeah. There you go. So, that's awesome. Yeah, if you can get him as like your DL five, he's kind of an interesting piece in the end to see if if he bucks if he breaks up. He's, he's that kind of camp hype that that's what you that's why you plug in. That's what that's the kind of camp hype you need to pay attention to, it's, in my opinion. And it is kind of interesting with Baron Browning because once we heard that news, I think I think everyone was kind of like, oh man, yeah. I wanted him to be a linebacker. I was hoping he'd be a tackle guy, but honestly, like this probably saved his value. Like yeah, he's, he's absolutely. an interesting piece now. He's a much more interesting piece now than he was, mm-hmm. but let's wrap up here. Trip. Sometimes with these divisional previews, I always feel bad because we go out with like the Atlanta Falcons and it's yeah. like the worst possible defense to put a bow on our divisional previews, but we're ending things in the AFC East with the team that Deontay Lee from the athletic called the best defense in the NFL this season. It's the Buffalo bills. And we are talking about a couple players here. We can kind of package these guys together because it was interesting. He mentioned Deontay Lee that this defensive line is so solid across the board that if you look at just like our lads, they're kind of second string guys. That could be a starting defensive line for a lot of teams. And you'd be like, okay, I wish they were a little better, but that's pretty solid. And that's their second string defensive line. And they mentioned Ed Oliver there in the middle, one of the sleepers that we've had. We've mentioned a lot of defensive tackles. Let's throw another one in the mix. We've got Ed Oliver as a sleeper, but he did mention that the linebacking core was something that if this defense does have a weakness, quote-unquote, it is the linebacking core, and that makes sense. We have Tremaine Edmonds as a bust. trip. I want to start with Edmonds. Dynasty, the dude is still somehow like 20 years old. Do we have hope that maybe in a new situation that Edmonds could recoup some of this dynasty value, or do we just need to recalibrate recalibrate expectations for what he is at this point? Well, I think he could recoup some value this year. I, I don't think he's ever going to be that the you know the first round pick. We we've seen an awful lot of teams burn first round picks on linebackers and really not get value out of it. So I it, it, long term. It's hard to say, but I think that he has a chance to rebound this year. And is it enough that he decided to bring them back? We'll just have to see. But what I think is interesting about the D deta- the, the tackles, and when you brought them up, we got to talk about them. And I won't mention Oliver yet. It was just all this, the reinforcements they brought in at nose tackle. Daquan Jones and Tim Settle and, and Jordan Phillips. In. And I feel like that the whole defense, especially the linebackers, played better when a guy named Starlo Tulele was on the field. People are like, who the heck is that guy? Well, he was this 33-year-old nose tackle that's a two-down player out there eating space and keeping linebackers clean. 
and the whole defense functioned better when he was able to hold the point of attack. And you saw this, if anybody you know, looks, thinks, tries to imagine this, there was a Monday night game where the Bears played and Akeem Hicks got hurt. And as soon as he got hurt, the, the whole team got blown off the ball and the slot quarterback, Buster Screen, got 12 tackles because they were getting destroyed up the middle. And the, the effect at Buffalo wasn't as extreme, but I think that the significance of bringing all these reinforcements at nose tackle will really help Edmonds. And I, I don't know that from an IDP standpoint, he's going to be better. Really. I mean, he's, he's a guy that gets roughly 110, 120 tackles a year, and you can't really expect him to do more. But I think as a player and a performer, I think he'll be helped by these reinforcements. So I'm to give, you know, so if we're calling him a bust for IDP, it's because he's not going to get 140 tackles. Fine. But he's, but as a long-term stash, I, mean, I wouldn't just dump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Addy, who are you? Are you, are you high on Ed Oliver? Are we finally going to see this potential realized or is it I just going to be more of the tease? Yeah. I love Ed Oliver. He was really coming on last year, but yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, defensive tackle, you got to be patient. But Ed Oliver has certainly flashed. I mean, he is he is a force out there, and that defense has just gotten much better on on the uh, on the front. A lot of nice young guys. I mean, you've you've just added Von Miller, and and Greg Rousseau has his second year coming up. Yeah, I mean, they need to they need to feature those those studs that they have, uh, and I think they will. I, I I like Ed Oliver a lot. He's a great discount. I've I've been targeting targeting him in those best balls he's he's someone that I, I try and get on basically all my teams but yeah I, I think the the we're about to see a, a breakout year from Ed Oliver yeah I was gonna say I just wanted to see where Tremaine Edmonds was going in some of these best balls which is essentially redraft since this is just kind of a one-year thing still going around like LB 20 to 24 wow except for one league where he was taken as LB 80 so LB 80 yeah I don't that, that must have been I don't know. We might we might have gotten the ADP wrong on that one because that doesn't seem right. Yeah, but all the right. other ones, yeah, he was coming in right around that back end LB two, which is just it's too rich. Yeah, but here's with Edmonds, you know, like I guess we kind of hate on him because he hasn't he hasn't really uh, done what we thought he would thought he would do. We, I guess we expected him to be like a Roquan. Or um, if he was drafted in like the fourth round, Tremaine Edmonds would be one of our favorite players. Exactly right. Yeah, because I mean, you know, how many? Think about how many busts there's been so far in the and you know, and just in the last few years. I mean, we, we talked about Kenneth Murray earlier, but I mean, this dude has racked up what like probably f- over 400 tackles in his first four years. I mean, that's that's pretty solid. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty hard to to find guys that you know, get on the field that much that early, let alone produce like that. I think you just have to temper your expectations. I mean, if, if Tremaine Edmonds is your linebacker, even if he's your linebacker two, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Linebacker three. Yes. We love that. That's ideal. I still love Matt Milano more. Yes, I still prefer agreed. him at ADP. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tremaine Edmonds, I mean, the hate is, is probably a little excessive at this point. I mean, we could see him, we could, we could really easily see him have his best year for IDP yet. The other thing I really like about Tremaine Edmonds, too, is this is his uh, last year under contract. Mm-hmm. That's right. Which is going to be interesting to see. I've even seen a little bit in the offseason where he's working uh, a little bit more in like the big play department because he does nothing in the big play department. Yep. No sacks, no fumbles forced, no interceptions, no nothing. He gets tackles. That's pretty much it. It would be nice to see a couple splash plays from time to time. But, yeah, man, if he doesn't perform this year, I don't know that the Bills would bring him back. Um 
it looks like they're probably going to let him test free agency, but I kind of like that from an yep. IDP perspective, at least Same. for this year. Same. Yeah, I mean, with it's almost like that Buffalo defense is too good. Yeah, they're gonna it's gonna limit his. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna have his snaps limited probably. Yeah, because those safeties are healthy. Poyer and Hyde ate last year, and the last couple of years Poyer's been really really good. So. You're right. That D could be the best in the NFL this Just year. Just getting him out of there, getting him, getting him on a a shittier team. Yeah, yeah exactly. With less competition, that's always good. For People Maddie. are forgetting Russo too. That's another name that needs to be brought up. I think Russo's falling way too far in a lot of these drafts because everybody's so worried about the usage. He didn't play much last year. You know, they brought in Von Miller, but I think it's pretty much going to be Russo and Von Miller from the jump. Yeah, Greg Rosenthal said that today. Russo is locked in opposite Von Miller. Really? Yep. Wow. So as the opposite edge. I will say, uh, listening to a lot of these podcasts, uh, they are very high on Terrell Bernard, who was uh, their, I believe, third round pick. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the third round pick there. And I think what it was too was that we just saw, we, we wanted Tremaine Edmonds to be the dynasty LB1. Based on the draft capital, based on the landing spot, based on the fact he was six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds, and ran a four five four forty, ninetieth percentile, had a ninety seventh percentile speed score. This dude was just he had he checked all the boxes. Yeah, dreads. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, yeah, dreads and a visor, right? That's like mm-hmm. two thirds of the Tom Kissingbury quadrant for like uh, <laughs> if he had just had a cool name, you know. Uh That's- then he would have been right up there and checked all three boxes. But I think that's part of the sting that we feel because if, again, if we had just recalibrated our expectations going in, I think we'd view him a lot differently, but he's still being drafted a little high. And I think that's why we are justified in saying, Hey, if you're taking him in this range, you're taking him at his ceiling. Yep. Like I think a best case scenario is Tremaine Edmonds finishing as the LB like 15. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't see a world in which he's a top 12 guy. I think I see him more in a healthy, optimistic season as like that LB 18 to 24. Well, it's range. like Bobby mentioned, you know, we have four years of him not getting any splash plays. Exactly. I mean, and that's what hurts him. If he's going to luck into that in year five. Okay. But I doubt it. That's an interesting name, Josh, because um, they actually have a out for Matt Milano after 2022 as well. I don't see them moving on from both of those guys. But they could. Um, but they, they could. They very well they could, could go grab someone in the draft. Yeah, Milano and, gets hurt again, you know. They're just like, oh, what's the, this dude's deal? Was it AJ Klein who came in and yes. ate a couple years ago when Milano yeah. was hurt? Yeah, um, very like Troy Reader esque. But yeah. the Bills definitely know they're in a window. Like that's why they went and got mm-hmm. Von Miller. They got a yep. young rookie quarterback right now. Um, you keep calling these guys rookies, and it's really sorry, throwing me for sorry. a loop. It's eleven twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's let's wrap. Rookie, it's not a rookie contract. Didn't they extend Josh? They did. Yeah, so he got a new so, deal. Yeah, so that right. he'll, he'll be a rich. Yeah, they gave him like a ton of money, wow. like. Four hundred million dollars. There's or something. a lot of people getting money. Yeah. Lamar yeah. hasn't gotten paid yet. No, no, he has not. I wonder what right. the time frame is. Didn't he say there was going to be a cutoff? Yeah, start of the season. Is it really? Yeah, start of the season, week one. I think he gets paid. I really do. Yeah. He has looked so drippy on the sidelines. Yeah, it's been insane. He is, he is he is an absolute drip lord. He's gotten a little thick too, boy. He's a thick boy. Yeah. I think he's about to set the. Uh, we're gonna we'll do like Super Bowl like predictions and like division winners and all that probably on the flag plant episode. You like but the Ravens, huh? I'm, I'm picking the Ravens as my Super Bowl. I champ. like what they're doing too. Wow. Yep. yep. 
They got so, like the perfect like pass catchers for what Lamar likes to do. Mm-hmm. Very likely. Fun. I think we're about to see yeah a Lamar Jackson MVP level season. Did you do it. So you did it. All right, Trip, my friend, you have come on and said it all, and we appreciate you hanging in there with us for an hour and 50 minutes. You brought the goods. You brought the D-tackle goodness, especially uh, for the fine folks at home who maybe aren't as familiar with your work. Tell us, where can we find you on Twitter, and what's the plan for football guys in season? What are you going to be working on over there? Yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter at Dynasty Trip, and uh, the latest thing I've been working on is just, something i've been thinking about doing for years and i don't know why i just didn't do it i think i was hoping to put out something that was just super smooth and all stiffed up with a nice article to go with it and finally i just scrapped it i just said i'm going to go put this stuff on a table and float it up there like a trial balloon on twitter and it's just a little safety box tracker to see who's playing what positions so the folks who folks at home can find it and and uh there's a couple of typos in there now that i got it fixed and i'll post it as a google doc eventually so that people can kind of track safety position battles and, and deployments, because I think that folks really don't know which safety is the deep guy, which and which is the box guy and which teams are running two high versus one high. And all those things tend to influence uh, value for IDP. So that's what I'm doing right now. I, as, as far as uh, in season of football guys, I'm be writing a weekly article of some kind and I uh, hopefully keeping up with, uh, with how players are being deployed and, and uh, why players are, are, or performing or not performing because I think that sometimes that that, that gets lost is like people then people had Buda Baker and they didn't know if he was going to bounce back or not last year because they didn't know how he was his deployment had changed and so uh, I'd like to tackle that this year. Eddie, my favorite part of Trip's chart was that it was color coded and I could just picture Trip like, all right, the Pantone for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm like a few shades <laughs> off. Like I need to find that right color blue. Hey. Hey, he done something right because that thing got a lot of retweets and likes, and that's all that matters. That's true. Trip is nothing if not obsessed with what the What did metrics. those analytics look like, Trip? Do you mind sharing those with us? <laughs> Trip. I haven't looked at a bit, but I got about 10 or 15 times the love of my usual stuff. Oh, so. I bet it got a it's lot the color of impressions. Code. It's the, it's yes, the color sir. code. Damn put, good looking tweet. You put I'd love the, to learn from you. You put the work in on color matching these uh these teams and it's gonna it's gonna pay off. All sure. I could hear in that was Trip saying, you know, this is something I've been thinking about for four or five years, something I've really wanted to do, and I've, I've started an OnlyFans. I've jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> you know Trip doesn't know what OnlyFans is. Don't do that to him. Uh but I look forward, Trip, because the 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 stuff at football guys I'm so excited about. And uh because I think a lot of times we see guys not performing, we're like, well, I guess this guy sucks now, or I guess this guy got hurt, or I guess the coaching staff doesn't like this guy. And the part that we miss out on is the scheme. And so I, what I've always appreciated is that you've made that stuff really actionable and brought that insight for the more casual IDP manager who maybe doesn't isn't looking to isn't looking at that as the explanation. So I, I look forward to that work in season and uh, thank you again for coming on to the show. You're going to be part of our preview teams this, uh, this season. So we look forward to having you back in the IDP show feed coming up, but uh, we know it's past midnight approaching 1am your time trip. So we'll get you out of here. We love having you on the show, man, and look forward to having you on in season, but folks stay tuned. 
The season is coming ever closer. We got week three of the preseason going to be cranking up here in the next few days. We've got John Macri and Gary Davenport next week with my guys and our flag plants coming the week after that. And then we are in with the preview episodes and the wheel just keeps on turning. Football is almost here. We are looking forward to it. Until next time, y'all take care and we'll see you soon. In your my favorite youth, like a drop top sports car, rooftop view. Let's go down to the boulevard and we'll play cool. And life should be.